0: Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment, I am Peter and joining me is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast, we get together, we've watched a sci-fi movie, we talk about it, it is really that simple and coming up on this episode we will be talking about Arrival, the Denis Villeneuve film from 2016. Uh, of course, we're doing this, we planned on doing this before his new Dune came out, but we didn't quite have time, so we're doing it the, the following episode, so uh, we're here to talk about this, we've both seen this before, of course, we saw it when it came out, but uh, we're revisiting it, and we're seeing how it holds up five years later, that's right, it's been five years already <laughs> since this came out, I don't think anyone feels it's been that long, but it is, so. And he's
1: had two more two more movies, that's
0: pretty good. So we're going, to, we're going to get into it. We'll start spoiler-free, of course. We'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers. Uh, the first thing you need to know, though, is uh, that this film's cast. Uh, before we get to anything else, we have Tara's cousin. Not this Tara. Tara from the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire Slayer. Uh, the actress who played her cousin, as well as an actor who played a serial killer, maybe vampire. It's been all the time since I've seen the episode. But on the spin-off of the hit television show, Angel... <laughs> That's the two leads of this movie. We have we have actors who did one episode since on Buffy and Angel. That is Amy Adams. Uh, and this
1: is why this is your favorite Villaneo film.
0: And Jeremy Renner. Uh, that is not why. That is not why. But I had this occurred to me like halfway through the episode that both of them had weird like young role you know, like guest spots on episodes. Sure. Uh, it's not the funny one for Amy Adams. The funny one for Amy Adams was the episode of Smallville she did in which she got really fat. Uh, it's terrible. She was terrible in uh, the episode. first season
1: of The Office also as the lady that everybody wanted to sleep with. <laughs> she was like Pam 2.0 or something. Uh, I, you know, I don't remember that,
0: but I believe it. Well, it was the
1: end of the first season of The Office, which a lot of people skip.
0: mm. I mean, I didn't skip it. The American
1: but... office. Maybe you were confused by that. I was not confused
0: by that. I, I, I was under no, <laughs> like, moment of hesitation thinking you were referring to the British version of the office. So, yes. Uh, but yeah, so that's our I main to Forest Forrest Whitaker's also in there, uh, worth worth mentioning. Oh, uh, yeah. The premise... Who was
1: not in the hit television show, Star Trek The Next Generation. I just thought I'd throw that out there. They're all connected in that way also.
0: The entire premise of this and the type of science fiction it is lends itself to natural Star Trek comparisons later. And you wasted that (laughs) on that?
1: I just, you know, I just felt the need to put out a useless connection. I was going to bring up Star Trek... You could
0: say I was inspired. I was going to bring up Star Trek later anyway. Right? And... You brought it up like that. That was terrible. <laughs> I don't think so.
1: That was revenge. <laughs> the
0: revenge. <laughs> so, the premise of this movie is that aliens arrive on Earth and they're big, weird, monolithesque ships that just hover above the ground in 12 locations on the planet. And our main characters are brought in, they are uh, experts in their field. Amy Adams plays a linguist, and uh, Jeremy Renner's a mathematician, and they're brought in to try and communicate with these aliens who are kind of opening up and letting some, you know, personnel go in and try and communicate with them. So it's, it's, it's a movie, much like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, it's a movie <laughs> about communication.
1: Yeah, I was going to warn you before we started. <laughs> I said, "Don't you dare bring this up."
0: Oh, you didn't you didn't though.
1: So, you because be, you can't be mad at me. Now. Because I didn't want to remind you of it in case you forgot. <laughs> oh, I remember.
0: Don't you worry. I remember? It. You're such an asshole. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't even sure if you were going to remember. I I thought I was going to crack a joke about that and just have you be like, why are you putting up close encounters? What is this?
1: Well, when we talk about contact, I'm not going to remember.
0: (laughs) Okay. Just let it die. It's not like it's a running joke I bring up every week. I only brought it up during this because I remember especially uh, referencing this movie. When we talked about close encounters this was just mm-hmm. me making a callback to a much 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 earlier review so the long time mega fans will appreciate that reference yeah so yes appreciate it it's a movie about communication it's not a shooty shooty bang bang movie it's not a big action movie uh, which may have something to do with the fact that it didn't do very well financially when it was released uh much like every Villeneuve movie except maybe his new one so with that said uh we'll get into our general opinions um tara already gave mine away by telling you all it was my favorite villain film it is my favorite villain film it's still my favorite villain film and honestly watching this again like the, the the gulf for me between this and like blade Runner 2049 is massive like it is there's a crevice there is a crevice between those two films for me this is vastly superior. I am going to be praising the shit out of this. Buckle in, everyone. Buckle in. I, I've got a sled, and I, and 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 you know, instead, but instead of reindeer, on, on on one side I've got Amy Adams, the other side I've got Jeremy Renner, and at the front of Villeneuve, and they're 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 running and making me fly. <laughs> they're making me fly, and it's not even Christmas, but I'm floating. I'm floating in the air.
1: Well. I mean, I think it's high praise. That is you weren't praise. subtle enough, so though. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Tara, what do you think of of uh, Arrival?
1: Yeah, I um, I like it. I think it's uh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, I liked it when I saw it in the theater. I think I saw it twice because I enjoyed the twist so much that I wanted to watch it again, with new eyes, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. So, um, still enjoyed it this time. I'll never have that like first time experience watching it, but it was uh, it was still great. Very, you'll hear high praise from me as well.
0: I'm sorry, was I too animated during my segment? You you, you, you just just didn't feel like aiming for anything there? I
1: I felt like toning it down, you know. (laughs) In the spirit of Villeneuve. (laughs) Grounding things a bit.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I'm happy you like this movie so much, though. It's nice to hear you talk nice about, like... a clearly talented director in the field of science fiction filmmaking. <laughs>
0: well, here we go. Here we go. The salt. The salt because I don't love Blade Runner 2049 and don't outrate love the new Dune. Here we go. I'm sorry, huh? the characters in this are better. The story is better. The IDs are better. Uh, th- th- the story is better than Dune. Yes. How dare you. The story is better than <laughs> Dune. It's more interesting. It's more inventive um and what, what's really surprising about that fella? that's harsh what, what's surprising about that to me right and I'm, t- I'm talking about like before people get in my case here i'm not talking about the book okay i'm not i'm not saying that frank herbert's book is not some treasured thing right i ain't talking about it. i'm just talking about the story as it's presented in the movie uh with you know our bland lead character anyway so a point I wanted to make about this, and this is just something that I'm remembering from when I stumbled into this talking about something else. It might have even been on the show. It, no, it was not. It was on Screams After Midnight, I found this out. The writer of this movie, right? No, it's based on a another story or a book or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But oh, the, Like a novella. Yeah. The screenwriter, though, of this movie is a hack. Everything else he's done... <laughs> Is shit. In fact, no, oh, one of these things was on this show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've talked about him. Yeah. Bloodshot. Same writer yeah. as this. Uh, Bird Box. Same writer as this. Um, lights Out. Same writer as this. The 2011 version of The Thing. Same writer as this.
1: Okay. I don't remember hating Lights Out. That's the one with the, like, they turn the lights out and there's, like, a silhouette of a woman. Right. it's a good trailer.
0: It had a very promising idea mechanically, but I felt the movie didn't do enough with it. Uh, yeah. And it started act. I was expecting Home Alone with a ghost, but with like light based traps in the final yeah. act. And instead, I just, they barely used it. It was it was really disappointing. But anyway, I've not even gotten to the worst one yet. Uh, this guy wrote the remake of An Eight Eightmare on Elm Street, which is an absolute travesty of a film. So,
1: well they can't all be the writers of rocket
0: man (laughs) are you trying to say that's the inverse of this where that's the the writer of Chernobyl did one really bad thing and then went on to do good stuff like Chernobyl (laughs) is that what you're saying
1: So they can't all like just knock out 10 out of 10 (laughs) every time
0: this is fascinating to me because but I think you know I, I encountered this guy's name probably on streams first and then again when we did bloodshot and it was, just, no, it was
1: not the worst it was I mean it was kind of bad but like it wasn't the worst
0: but, but come on now like are you, te- you, you again we're back to the word gulf are you not seeing the gulf between arrival and everything <laughs> else I just read out
1: I mean people gotta pay bills
0: let me let me check what, what, are you, what are you looking up What what's the stalling tactic <laughs> I'm looking at the
1: Eric Heiserer Bird Box was alright. bird I mean, Box? Bird Box? The one where they're not allowed to see the Cthulhu creatures?
0: Bird Box, yes.
1: Yeah, Bird Box.
0: I'm pretty sure the first time you said it, you didn't say that, but...
1: What did you think I said?
0: It sounded like Bret Box.
1: No. <laughs> oh, look, he's writing a Van Helsing screenplay. That's exciting.
0: It's not. Based on the rest of his work, it's not.
1: The Final Destination Five,
0: which I actually enjoy that movie, but it's not because it's a good movie. Like the dialogue and the acting in that movie is terrible, but it's a fun bad horror movie.
1: Well, you know, we know he's capable of doing something good.
0: <laughs> I Maybe what... the
1: difference is Denis Villeneuve.
0: I mean, largely it very well might be, but I also suspect that the fact that it's based on a source material that I presume oh had all the good ideas in it. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. none of the IDs in this movie probably came from him, and so much of this movie as well because of how it presents the story, and because like, I imagine that this movie probably moved around a lot in the edit. Like I feel like a lot of the the flow was probably created in the edit that, and probably different from the script. No, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everything because there are good reasons why certain things appear to us when they do, narratively mm-hmm. speaking. But those choices could have been made later. Or the choices that Villeneuve himself could have made to the script uh, after it was written. Like th- These are all things that could have just been moved around to work better later. So, I don't know. But... Um, right. Any- anyway, like, the point is, is that this guy has done nothing but mediocre to shit in every other movie he's written. But somehow a rival... <laughs> <laughs> it's like this excellent piece of science fiction and I don't know how this happened but somehow it did so it's Denis he's a one hit wonder and you know what it's a good one hit to have don't get me wrong <laughs> I, I don't mean to shit on him too much but uh, it is shocking um, so there's that uh, actually I'm going to get a negative out of the way just before I get into positives sure sure I I do I do think the movie color palette is it's not, it's not even the color palette. This is a problem I have with with every so often I'll have with a new movie. Um, it basically sums up to me looking to Denis Villeneuve in the eyes and saying, "What have you got against contrast?" Because the movie looks kind of washed out like all the time, and <laughs> I wish it didn't. I, I just wished it was a bit more contrasty. I know that sounds like a really weird nitpick, but it is kind of like a distracting when it just look cause it, Every so often I'm like, is my TV not set up properly? Have I, I, like, turned a setting up by accident? And I've not, it's just this movie has kind of a washed out look to it because the contrast is too low. Uh, So, not a huge deal, but it is always there. It's a look.
1: I mean, it sort of looks like everything's just a bit dreary. (laughs) Which matches the attitude of our, our lead character, though.
0: It does, but you you can have that with with contrast, though. You can still have it be like a muted color palette Mm -hmm. (laughs) with contrast.
1: (laughs) I think it's okay. I mean, when you see high contrast, you kind of think of something a bit more fun. This isn't a fun film. There's a lot of dread in it and a lot of, like, uh, I don't know, just uh, focusing on the facts.
0: I'm not saying high contrast. I'm saying a normal amount of contrast that looks like the TV's not broken. That's all I (laughs) want.
1: I still think it's a good looking film. I I love the visuals like of the of the spacecraft.
0: Oh I, no, I, I agree with that. Some of the actual composition and some of the effects and like the, 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 the cinematography itself mm-hmm. is mostly very good. Um I'm I'm just talking purely about what they've done in color correction and like their 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 tone of, of the like the, the tone mapping of the film is mm-hmm. just a bit too on the the I hate contrast side of things and I don't know why. Because I don't like it, uh, so it is. A, it's a relatively minor thing to point out, but it is also always there. It never changes. Yeah. It's always. It's always looks like that. Um, and your eyes adjust to a bit after a while. But um, if for any reason I have to like pause and go to the bathroom or something, when I come back, like that first minute or two when I sit back down again, like I have the feeling again. I'm like, oh shit, why? Why does this look so off? So minor quibble. And it's not that's not like it's something that's persisted with these other films. It's not like I watched when we did Blade Runner twenty forty nine earlier this year. It's not like I watched that and went, Oh, that's was just this color palette all about like that I'm very <laughs> vivid. It's a very vivid it film, can. that one. It is, yeah. Uh in in disputing that. Um Same with Sicario. Sure. Uh but yes, you you can have muted colours but still have contrast. Uh so
1: Yeah, maybe think? it was just the style at the time also.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, not, years ago. it's not the only film I've seen it in, right? I, I, I don't have yeah. any other examples off the top of my head, but I always hate it when I see it, so. Yes. Uh, sound mix though, another a technical thing though, I'll swing into a positive though, is uh, the 5.1 mix in this. Like, there's a moment early on in the film where Amy Adams is just walking to her car. She's just like, you know, she's she's at work, she's, she's walking to her car, and there's like a couple of jets fly overhead. And they damn near made me shit myself because the, the <laughs> they were so loud and the, yeah. you know, I've, got, I've got the 5.1 sound so the, it actually flew over my head and it was like, oh, you bastard, you. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of good sound mixing to really give it certain things and f- uh, I was noticing it quite a bit yeah. uh, throughout this movie.
1: Me too. I just have that little dinky uh, soundbar.
0: It's better it, than a TV speaker. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, it was pretty effective on that too.
0: Yeah, no, I got say, mix. Uh, not not denying that. So, yeah, no, visuals good. It's got a very uh like that first shot of when they're flying towards the the ship and the helicopters, and you've just got that the fog. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but you're you're so high up in this wide view, you know, this wide shot that you can see the shape of the fog, moving, uh, which is very unnatural. And it's probably like I'm sure if you you got a, like a drone or something or. You got a camera up high enough and went somewhere that was like this that had this fog. It would probably be how that fog looks in real life, right? If you Mm -hmm. got it from that vantage point. But because we don't normally see fog from that distance, we just see, you know, our vision's just filled with fog. (laughs) That's just what it looks like. Uh, It looks so alien, even though I'm sure the fog itself in the context of this is not alien at all. But it just, it feels alien because we're seeing it from this vantage.
1: Yeah. And uh, speaking of alien, like I love the it is, like you said, a very monolithic shape. Just uh, It's like a half-egg half, half egg shape almost, but giant. And it's just sort of hovering at an angle that you don't necessarily see in these films for when they depict aliens visiting. It's always like a saucer, but this one's turned up on its side, which is a very like non-threatening pose, so maybe that's on purpose. But it does seem like a little bit off for some reason. So, I don't know. It's a very simple maneuver that I think works really effectively.
0: Uh, I think you know I use the word monolithic because it makes me think of the monolith because it's standing vertically. Yeah. Uh, even though, I mean, it's intimidating, but it's not like. But it has it has the same sense of mystery as a monolith and two thousand one mm-hmm. kind of does. Obviously, the film is very different in every other way, but the the idea of this just this simple image of this tall black you know, it's not, obviously not, it's a complete rectangle, whereas this is more of a weird, curved thing. <laughs> but, yes, but still uh, a
1: simple shape.
0: Yeah, still very simple, yeah. yeah. Um So, yeah. I mean, no, the visuals are great. Um, the, everything that's built around, like, you know, they spend a lot of time the first time they go in. We see the whole process of, like, how they go in. They've got, like, a little forklift thing. And then it's not a forklift, you know what I mean? It's just a little little lift. Little,
1: yeah. It's uh, um it opens up every like the ship will have an opening every eighteen hours or something. And so they just have time to go inside and yeah, it, and it is hovering, so even though it's on it its side <laughs> vertical, there's a little opening just at the base of it that is enough for the lift <laughs> to to reach it.
0: Yeah, and you've got um, like this—the way it plays with gravity, where they get to a certain point and the gravity inside the ship is like shifted, and so. But they spend a lot of time with them in the hazmat so so you get a lot of these up close shots of like how intense it feels and their heavy breathing the first time they're mm-hmm. going in. So it really gives you this sense of spectacle, a sense of awe. and this is, just, this is all just directing touches. This is all just like how to create a feeling of mm-hmm. what the characters are going through. Uh, before it gets to the meat of the actual like science fiction of the film. Um.
1: Yeah, it, it does a really great job of just building the anticipation of seeing them for the first time also. Oh. And just what the other characters are going through, and most of them are just getting sick in the process. Or I guess there are people who have been like wheeled away before Amy Adams gets there because they're sort of going crazy with the whole idea of interacting with an alien species.
0: Yeah, not everyone can handle it. And you, you mm-hmm. have, like, you know, the idea they have to quarantine before they go in and out and, like, just all these little things that uh, give it this very methodical, science-based approach. And that's one of and the things... military the, approach, yeah. And that's one of the things that the movie really succeeds in is this this idea of, like, it being about a linguist. Tr- as who else... I mean, that's who you would get. If 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 a, if a alien... Or, yeah, or even a human. Let's just say we found, like, a pocket of humans, like, on an island that we'd never discovered before, and they had their own language, and it was nothing, mm-hmm. it didn't come from any other language. You would get in linguists to, to like, figure this shit out, right? That's how you would have to do it. Um, and mathematicians make sense, because math is a universal language, right? The, the, the mm-hmm. logic of math still works regardless of where you come from or what you speak. Uh, 1 plus 1 is still going to equal 2. It's just, it's that simple. Yeah. Um so it is
1: interesting to have a a linguist as your main character for this though like obviously it it seems like the right decision but we've never really dealt with that before in these films well a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that we watch movies where aliens are invading us (laughs) for war or whatever but and there is no effort to make communication but it is an interesting uh, perspective and i think the film does a really excellent job of taking you, of teaching you, the steps to communicate with aliens as well. Like that is probably the most fascinating part of the film.
0: I think that what you just said there that interests me the most is you said the reason why we've not maybe dealt with the linguist as a main character in an alien movie is because we tend to be dealing with like invasions and wars and action stuff, mm-hmm. and I would argue you that. Not that you're wrong, but the, the cause and effect is the other way around. It's that they want the action, so that's why they're always invading. It, you know, to, to to put it in like a meta level, like the reason why it's never a linguist is not because, oh, the plot doesn't lend itself to tackling it that way. It's because they always create a plot that has the suspense and has the action and has the, the other things. And the reason why I'm making that point is because a lot of this film's themes are about the the jump to mistrust and the jump to that type of action versus communication and that's a big thing that we'll get into more as we get into spoilers and stuff but uh i do think that's a very important uh, part of the film i mean it's it's the most important part of the film really i mean that's what you know earlier on when i said i was going to compare it to star trek that's the the story of this and the reason why it didn't do that well because sadly if you do star trek the way star trek was supposed to be done in the first place it doesn't do that well (laughs) They need the J.J. J. Abrams shitty, shitty, bang bang lens flares Star Trek. That That's what maybe makes some money, if you're lucky. What doesn't make money is Picard trying to communicate with a, a sentient species and coming to an understanding or something like that. And this really is a throwback to that sort of more thinking person's science fiction. It's about the ideas, it's about having a message, it's about exploring a part of humanity and what makes us us and what what might make us better? What was something we could improve that will take us further or you know, something we can learn from? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what that's what this, this movie absolutely is in every sense of, of the word and it, it having a character in the lead who isn't someone who's going to fire a blaster or whatever uh, is part of the point.
1: Sure. Although we do still have the military. And we have people who represent the military, like immediately say, "Well, we should be threatened by this." At like
0: every turn, they have to be there. Like otherwise, yeah. you couldn't say the make the points the movie's trying to make. You have to have representation from that right that side yeah. of thinking. So, uh, like they're 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 absolutely essential, but they're not the leads. I think that's important. Like this is not Independence Day. <laughs> for, no. for, for a number of reasons, it is a little
1: but... uh, day the earth stood still, though.
0: I, I, yeah, it's another good example of like a movie that you know. There's a reason why not a lot of movies like this get made these days. I mean, you get the feeling that maybe it's, this is a bit cynical, but maybe the reason why a movie like Do the Earth still got made when it did, um, or why more made get made back then when it did, is because well, we don't have the effects or the money to do what modern movies do, where we can just have as much big action as we want without thinking about it. The CG will take care of everything. So you're they're kind of, they're almost forced to turn it into like, well, we can have a little bit of spectacle, but it mostly has to be like debates. It has to be conversation. So we have to make that work.
1: Well, I mean, sure, but the point of the film isn't to have a war, is to avoid war.
0: Yeah. And? <laughs>
1: so like, why would there be any spectacle in that if you're avoiding war? What's your point? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I think the movie was made not because they wanted to make a bang bang shoot shoot film. They wanted to make a movie about the dangers of nuclear weapons. Oh,
0: oh okay. Uh, let me, okay. You, you, you're taking this to mean everyone. Like, I, I mean, like the studio. I mean, like, why was it financed kind of thing? Like, do, do you think that if Fox at the time had the choice of some spectacle film, uh they would have not went with that instead they, they didn't know they, they were for you know, obviously well uh, obviously i mean for the, every
1: day the earth stood still you get 20 of those movies
0: <laughs> sh- sure but you know what i mean though right like the, yeah. the director and the writer sure they had a, a thing to say they were trying yeah. to make some sort of point but I, I, <laughs> i'm saying that movies like this don't get greenlit as much especially not now right uh and sadly because of how this performed this just makes it more likely that they're not going to get greenlit. That they're not going to get funding for a movie like this. Yeah, because sadly they're not as entertaining to a mass audience, uh, which is a shame because it's far more engrossing than most actiony sci-fi movies that come out. Um, and that's a real shame. Uh, so you know, I I, I guess it's 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 one of those things that I, I think we see a lot with certain types of movie where certain genres go away because they're not forced into treating them the same way, or forced into doing them the same way. You know, all all of a sudden, we have the excess. It's kind of of like, once upon a time, movies were made in black and white because they had to be made in black and white. But now, every so often, when a director says, no, no, I'm going to make this in black and white because it's important to me and it's going to be part of the film, uh, it's an artistic choice. It's It's a creative choice. Um... So, when you see a film like Arrival, and that's not to say that every film that has, like, invasions or shooty-shooty-bang-bang things in it don't have something serious to say, aren't coming from a skilled place. Like, of course they can be, too. But there's obviously a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of fluff that is just greenlit because we want to make money. And Mm -hmm. uh, the creative process is strong behind them. I think with a movie like this, uh, it might not end up... There's still every chance it could fail. There's every chance that it may not, not... uh function but at the very least i think you look at a movie like this and you say well if this is how they're going to treat this film at the very least the director thinks he knows what he's doing (laughs) he he thinks he's got a plan he thinks he's got something to say uh versus i don't know (sighs) roland emmerich has got moonfall i think it's called coming out in like february Uh, looks great can't wait do do you think he's got a a mission statement with, with that movie or something he wants to explore
1: Oh, it is about the end of the world. Um, a natural disaster. Oh, a, sub- uh, a
0: subject new to him, yeah. One that he's not explored before, yes.
1: I'm sure America will save the day somehow, or... <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe it's just humanity can't work together enough to stop the moon, and therefore we all die. Like... I mean, like... the trailer it looks like the moon's pretty close. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to get out of it.
0: Because when you look at a movie like this, and obviously it was like a story first that was written by like one person, so maybe there wasn't a conversation. But let's just say for the sake of argument, there was a meeting of people who were coming up with a story. You can Mm -hmm. imagine the story behind this would be like, hey, what if there was a story that examined how we, like our basic instincts in a situation are something we should challenge and try and be better, right? It's kind Mm -hmm. of like a, almost like a a Star Trek or a Superman-esque thing of just like, we have to try and be better and like not like come to our or paranoia, or suspicions, and believe in something good, right? And then you look at the moonfall concept and go, <laughs> someone in a room went, what if the moon fell out of the sky? <laughs> and that, that's, like, yeah. that's it. <laughs> that that was the pitch.
1: <laughs> Are these movies all uh, like, like Arrival and stuff? Um, I always think of Contact, which is a movie we'll be reviewing soon. Thank you to the patrons. Um, but there's a line in it where Eleanor is asked by like a committee, uh, if you only can ask one question to the aliens, what would it be? And she said, I would ask them how they did it, how they got from where they are, where they were in civilization, where we are to the point where we were not going to kill ourselves anymore and we can keep evolving and we're better. (laughs) Like how were they able to get through this part of, of history that we're in right now without destroying one another i like uh i like that line a lot because obviously i think about it but it's it also applies to these types of films or even when we talk about star trek like how humanity made it to the point where we don't have to worry about things like we're just we're at a place of peace
0: hmm. And i want to make it clear i'm not shitting on anything that is just fun schlock i love some good fun schlock there, there's nothing well, wrong hell with that. yeah uh, That's like seventy
1: five percent of what I watch. Might <laughs> even be closer to eighty. Well, they make this a lot. year
0: Well, let's be honest; they make a lot more of it. So it's <laughs> even for people who try to avoid it, it's still quite easy to have it to be more than half of what they watch, just because yeah. so much of it exists. Uh, and a lot of it's bad, but some of it can be really fun. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. But this is such a ref- a refreshing thing, and I think we've been quite lucky in the past decade or so. Where it feels like every year or two, there's at least one great science fiction film. Sometimes there's even more than that. Uh,
1: Thank you, Denis Villeneuve.
0: uh, I'm not thanking him, because I think this is the only one from him, but... uh, I just
1: can't believe you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, I think there's been a good number of solid, really high production value science fiction films over the last decade or so. Basically from about 2009 up to now, and... I, Star I, Trek. I not Star Trek. No, I, I know. know.
1: District Nine. <laughs> well, I was thinking,
0: I was thinking Moon, but yes, Moon and District Nine, two thousand nine, and then uh, from from there, a lot of good stuff since. So, um,
1: and the Star Trek
0: reboot, which is fun. Yeah, but that falls into the schlock side of things. So I'm not talking about that.
1: <laughs> Captain Kirk. It's okay if Captain Kirk's a little schlocky.
0: <laughs> I, I, appreciate, I appreciate you want to do the, the whole Trek fangirl thing, but I'm trying to make a point. I'm trying to make a very serious point about modern science fiction cinema, and you're shitting all over it. I agree.
1: I think horror has also come around to where I like it again. Because oh, there sure. was a good period of time where just, if it was a horror
0: movie, it was garbage. I mean, there's still a lot of bad horror, obviously, but yeah, there's a lot. There's definitely a higher concentration of good quality films at the top In of the recent years. Title. I think, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: No, I I, well, I mean, I was able to do a top fifty horror movies of the decade, uh, for that last decade there. And if I went, if I we we tried. Me and Tim went back to the two thousands and tried to do it for the two thousands, and we had to make it a top twenty five because we just couldn't like have fifty. I bet that the nineties
1: would be tough too. I mean, you have nostalgia, but
0: Oh, nineties is tougher. Nineties is worse. Yeah. 80s you can do it there's a lot of schlock admittedly if you included in the 80s but the 80s did have a good amount of good schlock though like good schlock not not the bad schlock that we get a lot of uh since then but um science fiction though. i I mean we we, you know we i think did we do a decade list at one point i think we did maybe the last decade we did yeah 2010s i think so we may, maybe we did these. But I can't remember. But you know what? We've not done a countdown in a while. We may have to do one soon. I'll, maybe we'll just pick a decade and go for it. Uh, maybe it be a Christmas present. Yeah. Uh, did we ever get around to doing the 70s? Or, are we, or did we always plan to do more 70s movies first?
1: We still have quite a list of 70s films we to do, watch.
0: We do. Maybe we'll have to do a 70s month soon and maybe knock out a top 25 or something afterwards.
1: Okay, this is all behind the scenes stuff. We should move on.
0: We should move on. but I'm just, you know... We've got the ideas cooking here. Ideas cooking. Arrival's very good. It's an excellent film. It is a modern... I, I like it even more, I think, this time than I did the first time. uh, Which... is saying something. I- I'm probably gonna go about a point five up from my original score. I-, I-, I highly recommend it. I think it's a smart science fiction film that has an emotional core that I think very much works. And mm-hmm. i think it lands and hits home, which is the problem I have with Villeneuve's film since, is that I don't really care about his characters and think they're kinda of, I don't know, bland and dry and I d I don't really feel oh anything God. from them.
1: What about arrival though?
0: Yeah, I know. I, I kind of already made my point, which was that yeah. I I think this does have characters that I connect with. Uh right.
1: I'm just tired of you shitting
0: on movies I like. <laughs> Hey, I wasn't even going to bring them up. You brought them up more than I did in the last 15 minutes. Every chance you get, you keep dropping no villains to thank for science fiction. Save science fiction. Every two minutes. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: I disagree.
1: He's a very exciting director in science fiction.
0: Well, after a short break, uh, where Tara had to t- tell me off, uh, we're ready to <laughs> go in. And-
1: I don't like Denis Villeneuve. He's overrated. He doesn't make good sci-fi. Blah, 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 blah. His characters are bland. He looks bland. Why is everything so bland? People who like him are bland.
0: We're ready to go into spoilers, everyone, okay? We're ready to talk about the movie. And uh, uh and I, I think for the sake of talking about this, it, I mean, we'll talk about it kind of in order after a bit. But, I mean, I feel like we'd rather start with the ending, like the twist, if you want to call Mm -hmm. it that, and then sort of apply that to the rest of the film as we're talking about it. Because...
1: I mean, that's how I watched it this time, since I was watching it, you know, not for the first time.
0: Yeah, um, me too. Uh, And honestly, I think it made some moments work really well. Um, The ideas of what it meant that these what look like flashbacks turned out to be flash forwards uh th- like those ideas the idea that she knew her, her daughter's entire life that her daughter was going to die young from a disease like that is a, a wonderful concept uh wonderful not not in a good like it's not, not a, a good story <laughs> it's just a sad story but wonderful in a, a concept way and in, in a like exploration of drama kind of way and how we view our lives and relationships and like that side of it was just wonderful it was it's like there was so many so much depth added to the story in retrospect that the second it introduced that idea like i was enjoying the movie when i first saw i was enjoying the the intrigue the communication and certainly i was also enjoying the the sort of the struggle of all of the military leaders and all of the other countries are starting to get shaky and they want to just attack things and they want to just shoot their guns and we have the sensible people say, no, we should communicate and understand each other. We should form a dialogue, blah, 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 right? That that debate was the, the central core of the film for me on my first viewing. And it's still a very important core of the film. But once mm-hmm. you get to that twist, which is that this alien language that she is trying to understand uh, comes from a, a species that view time differently. And that by learning the language, she starts to view time differently as well. And I think what's very notable watching it again and, like, knowing that all the way through is other than the opening, which obviously has this uh, great montage set to a Max Richter track. It's not part of the score. It is an independent piece of music by Max Richter called "The On the Nature of Daylight, I believe is the title of the track. And it plays at the start and the end because, of course, it does uh, because it's time is circular and all that stuff. Yeah. I Actually, I was thinking during the film that technically you could have like called this something like Tenet and it would have worked.
1: I was thinking, I bet Nolan wish he made this movie.
0: <laughs> how is no, the thing though? You couldn't because it would give away where it goes. I I, I think yeah. it, because as soon as he announced Tenet, right? As soon as he announced that title, we all immediately started going, okay, backwards and forwards, the same. Like, How does that play into the plot? Like, Even before we saw a, a, an image, mm-hmm. we started trying to like, deconstruct what it meant for the movie. And I think if you were thinking along those lines, you may not guess it exactly, but I think if you were thinking along those lines, I think the revelation that happens when Amy Adams like remembers a word or hears a word in the present day and then uses it in a flash forward or flashback, the idea that she's actually kind of like, her mind is going back and forth in yes. time.
1: And at this point, she hasn't asked the aliens who this little girl is yet. So she's still like figuring out. And I, I don't know where I was when I figured it out. I, I'm pretty sure I figured it out when she did.
0: Oh yeah, I, I think I don't think there's I don't think there's much before then to really crack it. But you know, I, I think that moment. There's
1: so much to see when you are when you know it though, but like when you're I, watching it the first time, like yeah, I don't think I got it until she mentioned that 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 line of who is this little girl? I don't know her. No 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 no
0: no. That's when you got it, that later. Yeah, I think so. All oh, right, no no, I think so. No, it's it's the moment where her daughter and the, you know, I'm going to call them flashback because when you first watch it, they feel like flashbacks, right? You think she had Mm -hmm. a daughter that died and that's why she's so sad (laughs) at the start of the movie. And she's just really sad in general. She's a sad person. She's a sad, lonely Amy (laughs) Adams. Uh, But you think that's why she's sad is that she had a daughter that died as a teenager and she's just kind of, you know, wallowing through life as a linguist, uh, teaching Mm -hmm. linguistic Courses at university. Some university. Yeah. Um. Now it's the moment where her daughter in the flashback asks for a word. Uh. You know. What does it mean <laughs> when two sides come to an agreement? And she's like, "Oh, a compromise." And it's now nah, something more sciencey. Um. And that sort of scene, ends. she wakes up, and then she goes to a, a conversation about the plot with the other characters, and Jeremy Renner during the scene brings up the phrase zero
1: non zero some non-zero-sum game, game.
0: Non-zero-sum game and then it like it cuts back to the flashback and it's like amy adams just realized that and goes non zero some game that's the moment that's the moment where the movie kind of opens its doors and says
1: mm-hmm.
0: this is what this is and like the movie was enjoyable and was a good kind of like grounded science fiction film about the struggles of not letting our hysteria get to us and like keeping a cool head and being open to ideas and all that sort of stuff right it was a good story like that once it introduced that it kind of just (laughs) recontextualized the entire thing and became this really smart like layered science fiction film that also became about like just the idea that she knew her daughter's entire life that she was going to die as a teenager from a disease and was never going to get to grow up and be an adult and go on and do it, these other would, things. Well,
1: yeah, and she would have to experience this tragedy of losing her daughter.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think what really caught me watching at this time, uh, this is my second viewing, is her very first line of the film and the, the narration during that opening mm-hmm. montage is, I thought this was, I used to think this was the beginning of your story. um, Which feeds into the whole idea that there is no beginning, middle and end in the way these aliens see time. Uh, the beginning of the story is really when she goes to the ship and and all mm-hmm. that. So, uh, super interesting. Yeah,
1: the the zero sum game part like made me go, okay. So something about the way she's learning the language is making her remember things from the past. Like it's it's purposely bringing up this memory still of her saying having this conversation with her daughter, but in actuality it was pulling <laughs> it from the future. And I don't think I got that until she. Said, "Oh, um, who is this daughter, or who is this girl, this little girl that you keep showing me?"
0: Yeah, that's not why I thought. I thought you meant the same point I did, which is the, the the non-zero sum game line. That that was the moment. It was like, "Oh, wait a minute, we're doing something different here. We're doing yeah. something tiny, mate. And it's funny because knowing it going in, there's a lot of lines before then that all of a sudden feel like they they are setting it up without.
1: Oh, totally. There's you know, there's so many. Th- yeah, there's so many things there. Even the lines from the daughter and when they talk about their father or her father and stuff, it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's clearly Jeremy Renner. <laughs> but
0: yeah, but did you think that the first time though? No. Yeah, because you, th- you didn't think he'd, she'd met him yet. <laughs> like, no. It couldn't be him. No. Uh, but the fact that it turned out to be him didn't feel like a cheap, like, like, you know, drama thing. It felt like... Almost... No, they
1: both went through this big thing together.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and they were bonding over the course of the movie. They had all these little moments where they were kind of yeah, and he was just in awe of her the whole time, so...
1: Yeah, and, and the movie, like, made that clear, too.
0: Yeah, the other thing that I really picked up on this viewing was um, when, specifically, the the flash-forwards started to happen. Because, I, like I said, other than the opening, which is kind of there to set up the movie, and kind of, like, almost trick you into thinking this is all backstory, is... It's not until she actually starts to look at the alien language. The first time that like, she gets a proper glimpse of this little girl again is when she's been staring at one of the symbols, like one of their sentences. And it's not until she sees it more of them that she starts to see more moments of this this star. Like, and it's fine. And like the first time you watch it, it makes this sense where she's like thinking more and more about this intense past as she's like doing this job, as she's like getting more stressed. Is the weight of the world starting to like be felt on her shoulders? So yeah, it works. She's,
1: she's saying that she's like losing a lot of sleep. Um, there's like because she's so obsessed with this language. I think Jeremy Renner like even asked her at one point, like, "Are you dreaming in this in their language?" <laughs> and it, and then we see like her looking at one of the aliens and her like seemingly just daydreaming about it. So like it just feels like the weight of everything is just on her, and she's so tired
0: yeah uh all all of it works that first time through and it never feels like it's actually hiding something necessarily Mm -hmm. um but when it gets that new meaning at the end when it gets that new definition at the end where you start seeing all these scenes play out again where she's drawing the the pictures or she's in the little cowgirl outfit or she's doing whatever and the music's like the max richter music's playing again at the end And it's this idea of just being happy that her life happened and not Mm -hmm. necessarily being sad because it had to be over. Um, And even the idea that, you know, there's references throughout that the father left and you, you, so you find out that Jeremy Reynolds, the father and your instinct may be, well, that's a bit of a prick move. Like (laughs) what, what happened? But it also introduces this idea that at some point she told him what was going to happen to the daughter and he just couldn't. Like deal with it. It was just too traumatic to consider that his daughter's life was going to end. It and maybe he didn't want to believe it, or he just. Well, he he was
1: mad at her for choosing to have the daughter, because he she mentions she mm. tells him that uh, she always knew that this was going to happen and she chose to have her anyway. And he said, according to Amy Adams, he said that was a mistake. He made a mistake.
0: What do you think about that? Do you think it was a mistake? I. I don't know. It's a it's uh, a philosophical question, I suppose. At, at, at the core of it, like if you if you know a life is going to end that young, is it worth? Is it worth? Not even just because of your pain from losing the child, but like in in the sense that that you know they can't have a full life and it's going to end young. Like,
1: well, I mean, yeah, the, the idea of of not knowing and like going through it would be hard, but like obviously knowing would you would you go through it like? Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't really make that decision.
0: Or is this less a philosophical question and more of a question about altering the future? Because this is, because to Amy Adams, this isn't like a uh, a choice or a path. Like she's basically just experiencing the rest of her life all the time, yeah. right?
1: I mean, she, she did ask, you know, Renner also, like, if you could see your life, entire life at once, would you change anything? And he said, I don't know. Like, I would probably be more open about my feelings and i think he was just trying to find a window of opportunity to let her know that he liked her but they had feelings for but um doesn't really answer the question
0: yeah uh it's just an interesting idea because it's it's because this movie doesn't like say that she's time traveling um or anything like that. It it it, it kind of just raises this idea of like perceiving time differently. It's not. Mm-hmm. This is not about. You know, because we talk about time traveling and you've got portals or cars or, or whatever it may be that travels through time. You're going back and forth, and the future is the future, and the past is the past. That this is presenting as no, nah, it's all kind of happening simultaneously. uh If you perceive it this yeah.
1: way. Well, I think in the beginning, because we're expecting to have this sad montage of her like having and losing a child and then being sad, teaching at this university. And she's just sort of sad all the time. (laughs) I think because of that, um, like it's easy to think like, why would she want to go through all that? But as we get more and more memories, like she does have a lot of happy memories also. So this could be like the best years of her life. And she also was never not going to want to have those.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we never see and beyond that part of her story. Like, I mean, we don't know if she's seeing beyond the, the years of her child or if she's mm-hmm. only seen up until that point. Uh, you, you could absolutely argue that maybe, yeah, like, she, she can see her whole life and her happiest years or the, you know, the 14, 15 years she has before her daughter gets sick and that's what she wants. She wants to have those, those years and...
1: Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all that the same
0: i think that works with like a, a loved one where they, they they leave uh i think they what, break if, up yeah when the person <laughs> yeah. dies i think it's a bit more care because you're kind of <laughs> especially when you're creating that life maybe it's one thing if they're already existing you meet them so they're going to die yeah. anyway so you may as well be happy with them till they die but if it's like a child that you're choosing to bring into the world maybe that's where the ethical question starts to and i don't have an answer i'm just posing the question don't, i don't know if it's right or wrong i don't know you know what that's true. Uh
1: I mean I mean if you're asking me about like cows and chickens and stuff, I would say no.
0: <laughs> yeah. No,
1: it's not worth it. We should bring him into the world just to give them a life of torture and a short life of torture and and death. But it's harder when it's, you know, a human.
0: Yeah, that's that's girls' not been brought into the the world for any purpose, other than just to live like mm-hmm. any other human being. Um So, it's a really interesting question, and it's questions like this that are posed that I think are really fascinating when science fiction can pull it off in a way that... You know, you have this rush. The last, like, 20 minutes of this movie are such a rush because you have the realization that these flashbacks are the future, and this is a life that she is going to have, not one that she's already had. And all of the dual happiness and sadness that comes with that because it does have such a bad ending. And... But, you know, it's not like she doesn't love the moments when she's in them. You know, when we see, like, the moments, you know, the night that they conceive this kid, presumably, where she's, you know, she's dancing and drinking and she says, you want to make a baby, or he says that to her, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, that looks like a happy memory. She still experiences the happiness of the moment as it's happening. Uh, She's just
1: remembering it early, before it
0: happens. In fact, one of my favourite lines in the whole movie is when she hugs Jeremy Renner at the end, she says, "I forgot how good it felt to be held by you," and mm-hmm. I, that's a really great line. And like, part of me wants to see his reaction over her shoulder, to, <laughs> like, to that sentence.
1: Yeah, but, maybe she's still loopy from all the gas <laughs> she inhaled in the alien ship.
0: But I kind, I kind of <laughs> love it. There's kind of like a. Well,
1: I mean, presumably she's done some explaining about like this whole scene happens after she's taken the phone and she's talked to the general and. Told them exactly what to say, um, and so and has ended
0: this you know worldwide conflict. Sure, sure, sure. Like, and and the logic of the scene, sure. Right, like, in terms of his understanding. So, so
1: maybe he does have a bit of an understanding of at least that. Uh, yeah, sure. sure. But she like, sees times differently now.
0: But <laughs> like, I I love it on on its own though, just because it kind of it's obviously a very sweet line to say. But it's also this idea that there's going to be so much history that's not happened yet and it's kind of like um i don't know it's it's not quite like a kyle reese thing right i'm not saying it is but it's this almost weird perspective on a love because even though it lasts obviously much longer than sarah connor and kyle reese this idea that it's going to be timed right it's not forever (laughs) it's not until their death there is a a period of time where they're going to be happy together and then it's going to be over and the idea that she can look back in this with the hindsight of, like... Because you, because you experience these things differently, like, during and after, right? You you have this, like, you know, people talk about the good old days, for example, right? And that's because you don't realise till after the fact how good certain things were. You take things for granted, and all of a sudden you have nostalgia for something that you didn't realise how much you liked it at the time. You just realise how much it meant to you after. Um... And that's not entirely true for romantic things necessarily, but like there's this idea of having this perspective of after the fact and sort of missing it and coming back to it, but having that be the feeling you have the first time you hug this person. I I guess it just encapsulates the entire idea of the the alien's like, you know, vantage point of time. But Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, really they're embracing like this for the first time
0: exactly so some, some, some I, I guess what i'm just trying to say is it's such a smart line of dialogue that has meaning to it on its own it has meaning to it that it relates to the themes of the film and it has meaning to the 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 theory of the film and some lines are just really good and it's just a really good line uh and the fact that we don't get to see his reaction and we can sort of let let leave that to our imaginations leave that to the amb- ambiguity i think is Basically, i think it actually might be the last side of the film you now i'm thinking about it it may, it may be right before it fades to i think their hugging is the last thing we see
1: i think i think it is the last line
0: yeah uh so you've got that emotional stuff all that's fantastic all, all all of that is this heart to the film that is really bittersweet but it is saying something kind of positive about life and still loving the time we have uh both on, on to ourselves but also with each other and like however long that is Mm-hmm. But you also have kind of like one of the most interesting solutions to the crisis that's set up in the film. Uh, over the course of the film, we see like because to begin with, all the nations that are that have ships are all like collaborating, and they all have their own interpreters. They all have, they their have own like a Zoom scientists. meeting going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and over the course of the film, they start to get tetchier, especially once the word "weapon" is translated, and I'm not really sure if the aliens what me- what they mean by that. And Amy Adams is repeatedly saying, "Look, weapon could be a misunderstanding. It could also just mean tool. It could mean something else. It ends up meaning gift, of all things." Right,
1: and that- it's because um, <clears throat> it's because the, the Chinese group that their ship they they've been using the game of mahjong to to mm. help with the translation. And because of, they only have game words that they're using, weapon is one of them.
0: Yeah, and she. I think she expl- I think this movie does a really good job of like explaining to all us dum dums all these mm-hmm. like ex- all these <laughs> in- intricate uh, linguistic ideas. Like when she explains that, yeah, if you if you like teach someone who who doesn't speak anything, but you only teach them words that are associated with battle and victory, all of a sudden everything they say sounds menacing because mm-hmm. they they can't communicate anything. It doesn't sound like, you know, because just uses chess as the example, but, yeah. uh, you know, everything's about dominating. Everything's about killing the opponent. If that's the only thing they can say, then they're going to sound like they're threatening when really they're just using the words that you've given them. Right. Uh, so, yeah. And, and just, like, simple ideas. Of, like, how do you, t- like, start to break down their language? And, you know, I I love seeing, like, I'm trying to show okay we've established that she's louise and he's ian so here's ian walking can we teach them <laughs> what walking means um right you know i i think one of my favorite little sort of technical points that she brings up in the film is been forrest Whitaker's getting pissy about like what she's like trying to teach them and she's like well this is the question you want to ask isn't it and it's like you know what is your purpose on earth like and she just sort of breaks down why every single word in that sentence needs to be like how we get to those <laughs> words right they have to understand... What, uh, how what... do
1: they know what a question yeah. is or that we're asking one?
0: Yeah, and how do they know what we mean by they? Do we mean just them? Do we mean their entire species? Um, like... Yeah. You know, there's, there's so Adel many... Adel, like...
1: Costello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so so many layers to uh, <laughs> unravel there. Anyway, yeah, that's so... that's a
1: very good scene. It's broken down incredibly well and, uh, yeah, exactly, for us STEM
0: dumb to follow.
1: But also, like... Um, for it, it just adds a sense of urgency too. for uh, like Forrest Whitaker's side of things for the military side of things like look at any moment uh, any of these other nations could like break out in an all out war against the aliens. So like there is some you know uh, some urgency <laughs> I suppose is the only word I could think of I'm not a yeah. linguist.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, just on but before I get to that point, stuff, just still for a second, I I do really appreciate that it's always engrossing, I think the part of the reason why it's always engrossing is because even though we're not all linguistics professors, I mean, we're not not all people who even speak multiple languages, obviously many do, but not all of us do, we don't, (laughs) right, specifically, but every single thing that's raised, every single question that's raised makes sense to us. Mm-hmm. Like, every single time she says, no, we we have to sort of understand this part before we can get to this part, it always makes sense. And it makes the art of, like, trying to communicate with someone who has a language that you can't compare anything to fascinating. And it always yeah. makes us understand what the problem is and how they're trying to solve the problem. Right. That is very good rating, Which, again, is impressive coming from the writer of Bloodshot. So, <laughs> 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 although, let's be honest here, I'm sure they had some consultants. I, I have no <laughs> doubt that they had some consultants for this.
1: <laughs> sure,
0: there is no way they didn't. Um, but yeah, on, on the 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 nations thing, yeah, one of the points is brought up is that like, yeah, we're, we're not like one civilization with one leader. Like the 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 planet is broken down into many, very many factions, and that's a problem. Uh, yeah, and they, they, obviously, my my suspicion during this was like, well. These aliens seem pretty smart. They probably know that. <laughs> in fact, that's probably why they've split up their, their thing into 12 and they're, they're, they're given part of the puzzle to 12 different nations right. so that everyone, everyone has to, to work, work to- together. Yeah.
1: Everyone has to work together. But if it, were, <laughs> if it were any other movie, then if this were the day the Earth stood still, then there would be no progress made at all in that front. And pe- we would go to war with each other just at the possibility that the aliens might be working with one nation only.
0: I, l- I love the idea that aliens will just land in one nation, but it won't be like eh, the ones you would assume it would be. It'll be like Iceland. And all of a sudden, Iceland is the most powerful country <laughs> on the planet because they have the alliance with the aliens. Right. <laughs> they made a deal. And all of a sudden, they're the most powerful entity on the planet. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, I not know. That to me. Uh,
1: well, I mean, even in this film, like... It's cool that there's representation for all the nations and everybody's trying to like work together and there are there is progress made, but it still all comes from America. <laughs> We're still number one.
0: <laughs> well, I yeah, I mean that's true to an extent, but that's just because it's American funded. So that's just that's that's the reason. Yeah. The movie that is. <laughs> so uh <laughs> but I do like the implication in the film though that they intentionally give Amy Adams character the part of the language that unlocks this because it's not like all of the other people that are working on this around the world don't seem to be getting the ability to see time the way she does it feels like they have specifically chosen her because of maybe how she's approached the situation because she mm-hmm. chose to take off her hazmat suit because she's chosen to try and teach them or communicate in the ways that she has they've basically they've recognized someone in her that is maybe sympathetic or someone who's intelligent or level-headed who may actually the
1: right person yeah, for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, for getting this job done,
0: I, I think I appreciate that that side of it, and I also, like I say, so I wanted to get to the, the the solution to the conflict because I really love it. Is that everything seems to be breaking down? But Amy Adams, because this is just after she's had this realization that maybe, like the the the, the whole non-zero sum game thing, right? She's just had that moment, and that's what inspires her to like drive out to the ship herself. And at this point, because there was a, a terrorist attack on the ship from some soldiers who uh basically I listen know. to
1: some YouTube videos.
0: Yeah they basically were listening to uh what's that asshole's name Alex Alex Jones. There you go. All right, They'll listen to stuff like that saying I oh, we should just attack them because, you know, America or something. Uh, <laughs> so
1: Yeah, because the Alien's gonna turn all the fish gay or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but she goes out on her own and they've the 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 ship's risen up higher but they send in like a little pod for her to get in so they can bring her up. And what, I, I, I love a couple of details about this scene. I love that up until this film, because we can't communicate, everything's just... Or every, everything we get information-wise is just through what our characters can interpret themselves. But because she's starting to get it, and because she's starting to learn the language completely, because she's starting to, like, know her, her own knowledge from the future where she's written a book explaining how to read this language where she's teaching classes about how to read this language it's actually kind of informing her already not like giving her the knowledge in present day right so we start getting <laughs> subtitles for the alien language and it's like well, okay this is yeah. interesting then we start getting excited i love
1: that it's still a little broken english you know in the sure yeah yeah like it's sentences that are pieced together but you get the gist of what they're saying
0: yeah, yeah. They've not cracked every single nuance of the language, but enough mm-hmm. to order dinner kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. So the, the solution ends up being wonderful. I love this. I think mechanically, this, because you know, as this movie was building, and I remember being a little bit worried when I was watching it, thinking, I really like everything this is doing. I love all the themes it's playing with. I love the the the, the moral debate that's going on, but like I'm, I'm unclear how we're going to solve this. without all the aliens like somehow learning English and sending a message that makes sense or something like, how are we going to do this in a way that feels true to what this movie's been, right? Mm-hmm. And we introduce this mechanic of time in the door, and the solution to this conflict is that the the president general.
1: of china general general
0: okay the leader of china that yeah, leader is a good <laughs> word the leader of china um is that we get a scene in the future where they're at a event celebrating that everything's went okay and the leader of china comes up to her and says i wanted to meet you because i knew it was important to come and show you my phone number like my private phone number and mm-hmm. he shows her the phone number and says, I'll never forget what you said to me. And he leans in and says, you know, this it's, you know, statement to her and uh, Mandarin or whatever. And this movie is about her phoning the leader of China to make, because it's, it's it's shown throughout the film that they're kind of instigating the 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 more hostile attack and they're inf- influencing other countries. So the idea is that if China stepped down, if, you know, a lot of other countries will step down and that'll kind of open up the, the doors to communication. And I love this because this is this man who is the one instigate. Well, I mean, maybe he's not personal. We don't see enough of him to know exactly who's talking in his ear or whatever. But we just, you know, he's the face of the the side that are making things worse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Him in the future, he is communicating through time to Amy Adams because he knows it's important that this goes through and that he stopped doing what he was going to do. And he's he feels that that. so the effect of everyone working together and having the better relations and having this hopeful future, the hopeful future in itself is what is going to solve the problem in the past using this new you know gift, this this time vantage point. So everything about Harlot getting the phone and making this call and get get having this happen to shut things down. I thought it was way more exciting than like most action climaxes I see to movies these days. <laughs> I thought it was riveting and I thought it was it was true to what the film was, especially once it introduced that, that neat time mechanic. And it was so simple and didn't feel like it was cheating. It felt like, no, no, no. She gets the phone number from him himself. He gave it to her because mm-hmm. he knew this was important. I, I love it. I love everything about how that plays out.
1: Yeah, Uh, her reaction at the party still seems to be a bit surprised about it or unsure about it, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting just because she's, you know, it's almost like she's living her life the way she's supposed to. And she has to know that this is that he's going to give her this phone number because in the past she already accepted the phone number. So (laughs) actually, this part kind of breaks my brain a little bit. Um, it, you don't think there might be a little bit of a, of a plot hole, like, without, because if he didn't do that, then she would never have the phone number, so what is his motivation to do that, other than, like, he was always going to, and uh, it, it kind of breaks my brain.
0: Oh, that's a plot hole at all, the, the movie makes it very clear that, like, they see time non- mm-hmm. in a nonlinear fashion, so it happens because it was always going to happen.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, you know, that's why all of their sentences are circles because it's always, you know, <laughs> it's always a loop. It's it's always a predetermined kind of thing. Um, if you're asking why her reaction reads the way it does, the 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 way I I read that is that she like she's basically discovering. I, I don't necessarily think she sees time all the time, like all the time if that makes sense mm-hmm. like the, like I believe it's kicking in at these various moments where she's having these dreams or she's having these these, these instances um, and I, I think you know I think you could read that moment of like surprise of her realising it's this moment like not knowing it was going to be this day or not knowing it was going to be like right now mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing but ra- rather than okay. shock that it happened at all I guess
1: okay sure uh, okay I don't know I remember watching this movie the first time and going I, I just don't know about this like if, if this one this one piece is the only part where I'm just like but why would the general just do that <laughs> without any motivation to
0: because you got the call he remembers it
1: yeah because he gave her the phone number right okay I mean I'm I'm, I'm sure it works
0: Look, th- think of the profound effect that hearing his, was it his wife's dying words over yes. the phone, and presumably some instructions as well, I imagine, uh, but his wife's <laughs> dying words over the phone from this random woman who took a risk calling him and somehow got his number, which, like, how mm-hmm. did she get that number? If he's, if he's thinking that, like, how did she get my private number? It's not like his number's going to be on the yellow pages, right? Yeah, It's like he's, he's he's the leader of China. It's probably a pretty secure phone line.
1: Yeah. Okay, right I guess it's just uh like maybe I would have less of an issue with it if he if she came across his phone number somehow in the future or as an accident, which would be ridiculous but like yeah I'd hate he's, that. you know a general versus him purposely giving it to her um for this reason
0: but that's why I love it so much is because he's this changed man who's willing to like help with this. Like, the fact that he believes in this so intently is what I think makes this yeah. wonderful. That's, that's what makes it heartwarming to me and, like, hopeful and optimistic and like, this, like, we can come together. The fact that he's willing to do this is what tells me that it works and everything's going to be okay. That's the uplifting kind of part of the movie. Like, okay. the, you know, the, the daughter stuff is, like, this bittersweet thing because of her tragic ending. This is the stuff that's, like, you no, know, humanity has some hope. This, this movie, if, if nothing else, is about having some hope that humanity can somehow work together. Um, and it takes this, you know, this wild thing from an outside force to make it work. You know, if she doesn't get this ability and doesn't pull this off, then this would never have happened, and the fighting would have started, and it would have all went downhill. Um, that's, you know, I, I, it's. I think it's, an, I think it's an interesting idea. And um, sure,
1: yeah, it's just a bit of a chicken and an egg problem for me.
0: Well, is is there much else to talk about? Do you, I mean, do you want to go back and talk about any specific? I mean We kind of glossed over the whole, the, the idea that there's, like, uh, the the extremists who decide to try and sabotage and start a war by putting a bomb into the ship.
1: Yeah, inside of the military encampment, too. Right, there, And there's multiple of them. There's, like, a group of, I'm assuming, enlisted men who are getting... You know, s- seduced by this propaganda, they don't like that their aliens are here, and they feel threatened, and yeah, want to take that, things into their own hands.
0: We get a scene early on where one of them like talking is talking on the phone to his like wife or daughter, and the daughter's mm-hmm. like scared because they think the aliens are going to come and kill everyone. So it's kind of like that's like feeding into him as well, right? Um, yeah. So you get this sort of thing, but yeah, like, there's a group of soldiers who d- sort of plan to uh, plant a bomb inside the alien ship. Uh, The aliens, though, seem to just know it's there the entire time. Which makes sense, given how they see time. They know it's going Mm -hmm. to happen. Um, And unlike Amy Adams, I assume theirs is a lot more, like, consistent. Where they just always see time like this.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Which which must make them very, like, like, patient. But I guess you always know when things are going to finish or happen. And you're experiencing it all simultaneously, so...
1: It's a little bit of the Dr. Manhattan effect.
0: Yeah, it's it's just Dr. Manhattan, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But this is he still for acts them.
1: surprised when things happen but like it's because he in the moment it's happening for the first time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well yeah but they don't act surprised. These aliens seem quite content. Right. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah they do blast the, the bomb away at the very last second and they save Amy Adams.
0: That, that, and, that, and Jeremy Renner. Yeah. And Jeremy Renner. Yeah, He's
1: they,
0: there they, too. They, they kick them out of the room so that it, it saves them. Uh, I mean I guess maybe that's the way you look at Amy Adams reaction even though you think Because you're thinking, like, oh, why is she acting surprised in Mm -hmm. in certain moments when she should have known this was always going to happen? I would read it more... Think of, like, the first, like, months that Dr. Manhattan was, like, jumping around time and he didn't realize what was happening. Like, Mm -hmm. there would have been moments of confusion before he realized where he was or what was going on or, like... Yeah. It's just
1: that this moment, like... (laughs) I don't understand. There's only two moments in her entire life at least up until this point, where she had to deal with General Shang. So, like, obviously, why would it be surprising? Oh, this is the moment that you're going to give me your phone number.
0: I don't have this problem. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't have this problem. Because there's so many moments with the daughter as well that when you look at them with knowing what she's going through, you can read as mm-hmm. her being confused in the moment, or you can read to her, like... She's fine in the early flashbacks, but that moment where she remembers the word because she just heard it in the in the present day scene, she looks confused in both scenes. Like she's right. like in in that scene with the daughter, she's not like going, "Oh, I always knew I was going to remember this now." <laughs> like she she she's like, "Shit, I just like remembered that." Like it, <laughs> it, it it's more like present. It's, it's
1: like a deja vu thing. Yeah,
0: it's more like present day Amy Adams is in the future scene at that point, right? Right. Uh, or remembering that she had this in the past, you know, like. Yeah, so it's the same thing as that. Yeah, if you want to think of it as like a weird deja vu-esque moment of like, oh, I'm in this moment now. Uh, Right. uh, But yeah, so. But that's definitely, it's worth mentioning. Because showing like how people are corrupted and this idea that we're not scared of them retaliating because they won't understand that this was like a small group of extremists and not representative of all of humanity. Yeah. Is a...
1: Although they do seem to know it's gonna happen because they literally wait till the very last second to like do something about it. So they know how much time they have to, to communicate mm-hmm. with Amy Adams still. And it
0: also makes sense they don't retaliate in any because they know how this is all going to end. They know mm-hmm. that ultimately they're going to succeed. And that Amy Adams is going to, to get this done and like they're they're going to like accept the gift and work together. Right. Um all with the the goal that in three hundred years, when they need Earth's help, like three thousand sorry, three thousand years, uh, we'll be able to communicate because at that point, uh, you know, people have been studying the language for you know millennia.
1: <laughs> not just that, but humanity will be at peace. We'll be able to survive.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if they don't know specifically to say it, but I also get yeah, kind of got, got like an impression that we might not exist as a civilization in three thousand years yeah. if they didn't intervene.
1: That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, they, they, but they never said like the
1: whales in uh, in Star Trek Four.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they never say though because I, I I thought they were going to think because I think I was like getting some memories of thinking this, and then I was surprised that they never actually said because you won't be here if we don't.
1: Well, I mean, why why go back three thousand years then? Like, if you just need to have to be able to communicate, and it only takes a short period of time, to a couple of months to be able to communicate. Why go back three thousand
0: years? Um, is, is I'm it, pretty
1: sure they chose three thousand years because they needed to save humanity first.
0: I mean, that could, that, that could be an implication as to why they picked this particular time period, but it doesn't. Like, we don't know how long it takes to get here. We don't know how easy it is to just choose to go. Uh, we don't know. Well, how... they just
1: turn into mist when they want to leave.
0: <laughs> like, I feel, I feel, I feel like we don't know enough to answer those questions. I, yeah. I, I don't think we have any definitive things to say about any of that because uh, cause we we don't know what other like reasons why they may ha- you know like do, do they have the freedom to just choose like when uh I, I kind of took it as no we'll give you this gift now because you'll see the fruit that it bears over this time period so that when we come back and ask for help you'll know that we're, our intentions are good and that we gave you this uh, this thing that yeah so mm. we're thinking of oh we saved you from destroying yourselves with war and climate change and whatever else but like more just you will thrive and you'll be like a futuristic society you'll all have flying cars and you'll all be hunky dory and <laughs> <laughs> whatever else I don't know Every everyone can ride the dick shaped rocket to the you know orbit
1: <laughs> nice
0: <laughs> the topical reference for you
1: I saw that uh, Tom Hanks turned it down
0: oh there you go
1: he was offered before Shatner
0: Because he was in Apollo 13. I suppose. Mm. Can't offer it to Bill Paxton, though. No, he ain't here no more. He should go to space. He he would have been great in space. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Bacon's around, though. You could put Kevin Bacon in space.
1: I suppose. (laughs) Or um, uh, uh, Gary Sinise, since he never got to go. He was the astronaut uh, who was left behind.
0: This, uh, if Bill Paxton was still alive and they said, hey, all three of you, we're offering you to go to space, but not Gary Sinise.
1: That's <laughs> so sad.
0: <laughs> he doesn't get to go. <laughs> he got to go in Mission to Mars, though. It's fine. That's true, yeah. You got go to Mars. That wasn't a very good movie. And he even got to land on Mars as well. Oh, yeah. He, he got the whole shebang. You gotta do gotta much more. got have a cool
1: barbecue. <laughs>
0: I'm pretty sure they had a barbecue in the Paul thirteen, like as well. I feel like I remember a scene with them having a barbecue. I
1: think, yeah, I think it was just a sixties thing.
0: It, it, also Texas, right? It's Houston. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's barbecue country. <gasps> Makes sense. Yeah.
1: Anyway, should we rate it?
0: <laughs> um. Okay. I, I, I guess I'm done talking. Uh. About the movie. Uh, i think it's emotional i think it got some big science fiction ideas and then just as you get into the third act it also slides in some really cool sci-fi mechanics which also further informs some of the ideas that it has about uh the human experience and how we choose to do things that we do and how it might change like you know the idea that this this chinese leader changed his entire like outlook and what he was going to do because he had foresight and in mm-hmm. the same way that if we have hindsight, obviously hindsight, we always say hindsight 2020. 20, it's a saying for a reason, right? That we'd make different choices if we knew how it was going to turn out. But now we will know how it's going to turn out so we can make the choice with the full bouquet of information. Like, There's so much going on in this film. Uh, and it appeals to the best of us to, you know, not, not shoot our big rocket cannons at things first and try and mm-hmm. communicate instead. And don't always think the worst. Lots, lots, lots of nice, lots of, lots of nice ideas. I agree. Lots of nice ideas. All right, Tara, would you like to rate Arrival?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I also really love the film. I think. Um, I think Villeneuve did a great job of giving us a one of those old timey feeling. Sci fi stories in a very new look and a new approach and a very modern, um, a very like modern storytelling. Um, especially with all like the the Nolan, like timey-wimey plot, sci-fi plots around and the, um, the Shyamalan twists. (laughs) I'll post those kind of films that, uh, I I don't know, it feels very modern, but it feels very classic sci-fi. And, um, I really like this movie a lot, too. I think this was probably the movie where I really noticed Villeneuve's name. And then he continued to make sci-fi movies after that. Well, with the exception of Sicario, which I also very much enjoy. But um, I am going to give this movie an 8.5.
0: I think what I really appreciate about the characters in this is that everything that amy adams has to like achieve everything that she's trying to do and everything that because it it is very much like a concept movie first and a character Mm -hmm. movie second but what makes it work in this case is that the concept inherently shifts what the character is doing and what the character's journey is so because it uses it's it's you know quote-unquote gimmick, right? Or its mechanics, or its techniques. Because it uses those sci-fi concepts to recontextualize her simple story and her relatively simple character. You know, her, her character is pretty simple. She is a good character who who wants to communicate and extend a hand first. That makes us like her and for her. And she has seemingly this sad past. Simple, right? But her character becomes so interesting because it becomes this vessel to explore all these ideas and that's i think partly why i love it so much so uh i am also going with an 8.5 um i gave it an 8 at the time and i'm going to go up to 8.5 now because um but it may even rise more as as, as i see it again um because it has such a, a strong moral compass and it poses a lot of really interesting questions um and, yeah, I feel things. I feel things at the end, and I think it 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 tantalizes my thinking brain in a way that I really appreciate,
1: so. Mm. That pra- that part of my brain is just dying off.
0: I love how the start of that sentence was a flub where you said, Pairt, <laughs> that part of my brain.
1: Yes, that part also just shuts down after 10 p.m.
0: <laughs> that part of my brain. <laughs> uh... But yes, eight point five. Yeah, I did that Arizona. part out. <laughs> definitely not. I'm <laughs> definitely not that one out. Uh, so there you go. That's 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 a rival. Uh, not
1: too shabby. Yes.
0: So if you've enjoyed us being pretty positive on this, uh, I suspect that next week might be a change of pace because next week, despite my protest, Tara. Has demanded. <laughs> she literally threatened to walk Every off turn. the show. <laughs> she threatened to walk off the show if I did not agree to do the next Planet of the Apes movie. And you're thinking, Peter, but doesn't that mean you're doing Rise of the Planet of the Apes? I wish it meant that. I wish it meant that. No, Sir rebob Because unfortunately, there is a remake from 2001. Directed by Tim Burton, who's maybe my most hated mainstream director. (laughs) So... Starring Mark Wahlberg, who I also think is... mediocre. Say hi to
1: your mother for me?
0: What? When did he say that? That's his
1: nickname. Mr. Say hi to your mother
0: for me. You know far too much about Marky Mark. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there right now. So that's what's coming next time uh, on the show is the 2001 Platt Dave's. Uh Tara's going to pause for the thumbnail. So here we go. Maybe, maybe try and look like your I don't know thinking intently or something. I don't know. What is Amy okay. Adams doing this? All right, three, two, one, pause.
1: Be <laughs> I mean, communicating with aliens.
0: Okay, okay i get it i get it uh for the audio listeners she threw up the old uh vulcan live long and prosper fingers peace and long life mm-hmm, yes uh so <laughs> there you go uh, um, you can of course support everything we do by simply hitting the like button commenting subscribing ding the bell for notifications on youtube or give us a five star review and rating on your podcast app of choice Uh, That helps spread the show around and gives us more success, so please do so. Uh, You can also, of course, um, uh, get us on the Twitters at Screams Midnight, which is now the home for all male fuzz movies, podcasts, and shows. So, at Screams Midnight is the Twitter to follow uh, these days. Uh, But, of course, you can also support us financially. can the Tara?
1: That's right, Peter. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash mobfuzzTV. And if you donate as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So you can check out all the Transfers saga that we've done. Uh, we're currently working our way through the Tremors sequels. We do the first one on here, but we tend to do a lot of the cheaper sequels on the bonus episodes. So... Head over check that out, and if you donate five dollars per month, you will get access to these reviews one day early, and you will get to vote on what we watch once a month.
0: Yeah, the Thank bonus you. B- the bonus movies aren't always um sequels though. There's a lot of standalone things in between the sequels. I just uh, sure. it's you you love to. I know it's because you easily remember the sagas, so you just you promote the sagas. But it's worth mentioning. You get you know, what did we do recently? Uh Future Zone. Which was I mean, a sequel. That was technically a sequel, too. I'm trying to think of another standalone one. But we do standalone ones, too.
1: We did Extra.
0: Extra. Yeah, that, was, that was a memorable one, yeah. Extra. Rotor. Rotor. That was a memorable one. There, there you go. There's, Future hey,
1: Force, we thought, was a
0: standalone. Yes, but then there was Future Zone, which is a sequel to Future <laughs> That's a fun one. Yes. Um, so, check out the bonus episodes. Uh. So, there you go. Uh. That is pretty much it. That is the show. That is the Atomic Serum Experiment, so thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Selsa.